Hello and welcome to Grace Lifestyle Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. I believe last week was really uh, foundational for us in ministry because um, we really spoke about healing and, 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 and do you want to be made well? And that's what we're about. And that's the same word that sort of was reiterated this morning is Lazarus come forth. And um, we're looking at overcoming. We're looking at overcoming challenges, troubles, overcoming life. Amen. And um, if you haven't listened to the last few Sundays, like you're missing out because today we're building on that. We're building further. And what we're building on is really the fact that John said in John 9 verse 1 that Jesus, um, not John 9 verse 1, in, in, in John 20, sorry, he speaks about the miracles that he wrote about. Okay, so John says, I wrote a book. This is the first of many that he would write then. But I wrote a book, and in this book I recorded some miracles. And in chapter 21 he says, if I were to record everything that Jesus did, he said, if I, if I had to write it down one by one, there wouldn't be enough space in the world, basically. He said, there wouldn't be enough books. Okay? I'm not sure that that's technically true, but that's, he's making a point. I mean, he's like, it's not about writing down everything God has done in the form of Jesus. But there's something specific that he says, and he says in, verse, in, in chapter 20, verse 30, he says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So there's many miracles that we don't know about. Now don't feel, ah, like, because he goes on and he says, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So there's specific miracles written down by John with a specific purpose, and the specific purpose is for you to get born again. Because if you're born again, you'll overcome. John then later writes in John 1, uh, the first John, he says then that this is how we overcome the world. Faith. The word even there is in italics, so take it out. He says, this is how we overcome the world. How do we overcome the world? Faith. And then he goes on and he says, those who are born of God have overcome the world. How do we overcome the world? Faith. Now, faith there is not a verb. Okay, this is... I'm going back to part one. We'll quickly go to part two, and then we're going to do part three today. Part one says faith is not a verb in that sentence, specifically in that verse. Faith is a noun. How do we overcome the world? By what we believe, not that we believe. Listen carefully. The gospel is how you overcome the world. What you believe. Because you have to believe to be born again. Once you're born again, you're born from above, so you're no longer part of the issues and troubles of this world. You still live here. Like maybe you had cold water this morning, or who, who enjoyed stage six load shedding this week? I didn't. My hand's not up. <laughs> For me, it's job security now. Because um, I, I, I currently work in the energy sector, but I still didn't enjoy it because at stage six, the fun stops. Like, you realize, like, it, it's, just, it's just not fun anymore. And uh, for the clients who are looking for solar panels, then if they don't get it quickly enough, then the fun stops. <laughs> so, we are in this world, <coughs> but we're not of this world. And that's really, a, like, the starting point is, if you believe, you've overcome. Now, that's a different mindset to than what most of us live by, isn't it? Because you don't know what my taxes are, and you don't know how many uh, people I work with that don't know the Lord, or you don't know how so-and-so treats me, or what my parents have done, or how little I slept last night. Well, well done on you, but like Jesus overcame. <laughs> Jesus is risen. Like, at the end of the day, that's what we go back to. Like, did Jesus die 
Was He resurrected, ascended, and did He pour out His Spirit? And if we say yes to that, then the things of this world should grow strangely dim, isn't it? The problem is, is our eyes. The problem is our eyes. Because what do we look at? What do we see? How do we perceive? Interesting, in Luke 4, Jesus quotes Isaiah 61. And I still want to do a direct comparison. But it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, in verse 18 of Luke 4, and He has anointed me to be hope for the poor, or to preach, healing for the brokenhearted. I love the passion says here, new eyes for the blind. The recovery of sight to the blind. Okay? It says, and to preach to prisoners, you are set free. I have come to share the message of jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. What is he preaching to prisoners? You have been set free. Lazarus, come forth. The stone is rolled away. The door is open. So he's not telling them, you better be set free. He's telling them, you have been set free now, accept that. Come out. Come be alive. But he speaks here about giving us new eyes. Amen? The Greek word that is translated here as for new eyes is, um, also means gazed into heaven. So we spoke about this a little bit last week, but if we says we want to be, we, God sent Jesus to do some things, and Luke 4.18 tells us what he came to do. And one of it is to give you new eyes. Okay? To recovery of sight to the blind. Now what we perceive as natural people or naturally minded people is we think that anyone who walks with a white cane is going to get healed by Jesus. Which is included, but don't limit it to that. Because the word gazing into heaven is the word new eyes. And the, way, the example we have from Mark 6 is where Jesus takes the, um, the fish and the bread. And we spoke about it a little bit last week where the disciples thought they had a big money issue. They thought they needed a lot of money to feed 5,000 men. And they make a quick calculation of how much they need. And God, Jesus says, like, you don't need money, you need food. Amen. So what's your perception? Now Jesus takes the little that they have, the five loaves and the two fish, and He looks up to heaven. The word gazing up to heaven is new eyes. It's the same Greek word. So He changes the perspective. He looks away from the little, or the perceived little, and he looks to the source. And he doesn't say, Lord, we need more. He says, Lord, thank you for what we have. And I don't believe he's talking about the fish and the, and, and the loaves in his hands. He's talking about the power of the Spirit that's about to multiply. Lord, we don't look at what we, have, what, what we don't have. Because if you look at five fish, or what, I always get it wrong, two fish and five loaves, no? seven in total. There must be something in the symbol, symbolism of that, but let's not go into that this morning. If we look at this and we look at 5,000 men, when we look at this, what we see? We see not enough. We don't see what we have, we see what we don't have, technically. I said last week we had to feed 35 men Budavos rolls at the men's camp. I, I, I have pity with the disciples who were a bit nervous to feed 5,000 of them. <laughs> you know what it costs to feed Budavos rolls to 35 men? I mean, you can do the math, but times that to get to 5,000 and then women and children with that. I mean, our boys are eating. Like, <laughs> Jordan is not even a three, and I'm fighting for seconds because, like, he's going for it, amen? He's growing. He's a growing boy. So we're looking with new eyes, amen? And then we look at these miracles, and there's, there's probably more, depending on what you define as a miracle. But there's seven that we've listed. And the seven that we've listed, I don't know if you have it up for us, Nadia, please, um, is the specific ones that we're looking at 
in terms of these miracles contains the power of the gospel. These miracles are teaching aids, if you will, to preach the gospel, according to John, not according to me. Okay? So Luke 20, he says, these miracles I've written down so that you can believe in Christ Jesus. That's what he says. So which miracles? Now we go back. We see turning water into wine in John 2. We see healing the nobleman's son in John 4. Healing the man at the pool of Bethesda in John 5. That's the specific one we looked at last week. Feeding the 5,000. Walking on water. Healing a man born blind in John 9. And then resurrecting Lazarus in John 11. Now, I thought I'm going to preach on John 11 this morning with Lazarus, but we'll get there. Amen. I really just felt stirred to go to John 9. And let's just unpack the healing of the man born blind. And I don't know about you, I've heard many sermons on this. And the sermons that I've heard was mostly about how to get healing or how to heal others. And we try and make a recipe out of Jesus' miracles so that we can replicate healing. John said, that's not why I wrote them down. I didn't write down the miracle of the man born blind so that you can help people see again. I, helped, I wrote that down because Jesus did that so that people can believe that He's the Christ. So we need to look deeper. I don't know if it's at the resource table, but I shared a word on turning water into wine. And it's really just the gospel. It is, Jesus came down, new wine, better wine. Amen? Stone pots, water jars, trying to wash yourself, ritual washings turned into festivities. And um, I'm not sure that I'll teach that again, but you can get it at the back or you can get it online. John 9. Father, we thank you that we can be together this morning for your word. And that you just help us to see with new eyes. As we unpack this, thank you, Father, that you lead us and guide us into all truth. Into the full reality of our Christianity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Jesus is passing by, and as he walks, he sees a man which was blind from his birth. This means this man has never seen. Like, never. He doesn't know what he's missing out on. Amen. So, what do you see when you are blind? Just think about it for a moment. What do you see when you're blind? Well, nothing. <laughs> you, it's dark. That's the, the essence of blindness. Um, it's nothingness, but it is as if you're seeing in the dark. You're, like, you're not seeing, but it's dark. So in a sense, blindness really then, can we, can we just take a moment and say blindness, here is a picture of the power of darkness. Okay, if you know me by now, you know this is how I teach, and I love it. <laughs> So blindness, because Jesus said, John said, there's more to this miracle than what you see. Okay, so blindness is then the power of darkness. If, if we're in stage six, load shedding, and the batteries go down, and the torches are, are worn down, and it's two in the morning, there's a power of darkness that you're trying to overcome with your cell phone. Until that goes off, and then you can't do anything with the, the power of darkness is too much. Amen. In our house, we have a little uh, ceremony every time the power comes on, and we just celebrate. And the boys have started to join in now, because it's just like, we're happy. Amen. We're children of light, not of darkness. So, the verse, second verse there in the Passion says, His disciples asked him, Teacher, what's it, Rabbi? It's very interesting, and it's just for free this morning, that they didn't call him miracle worker. They didn't call him Superman. They didn't call him anything but teacher. So Jesus' predominant ministry was teaching. 
Yes, he did miracles, but they knew him as teacher, rabbi. Whose sin caused this guy's blindness? Yo, what a question. What a question. What is the will of God? Is God good? Like, who, how does this work? Why is this man blind? You know why they asked that? Because they had a mindset of curse. They were living in a mindset where people were, were blind were blind because they were cursed. And I'll show you where they got it. But I asked, like, is it this guy or is it his parents? They're not asking, is sin the issue? They're asking, whose sin is the issue? So it shows you the mindset. Okay, they're not, they're, I mean, at this stage, no one has ever been restored who was blind. People have been raised, risen from the dead, but no one has been, no one received sight yet. So Deuteronomy 28, 15 says, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments and His statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Lovely, isn't it? <coughs> cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed you shall be when you come in, and cursed you shall be when you go out. You see, this is where they were living. This is the mindset. Then Deuteronomy 28, 28 says, The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. Anyone came uh, mad, blind, or confused this morning? <laughs> I've got good news for you. Amen? I've got good news for you. You see, Jesus didn't just come to curse. He didn't come to curse. He says, I did not come to judge, but to save. He came to redeem us from the curse. So, this is the mindset, Deuteronomy 28, in which they live. And they see a man born blind. You know what people did when, they were, when someone was cursed? They would shout it. They would proclaim it. They would spit and say, you are cursed. They would even spit in the ground. They would sometimes spit them in the face. And they were sort of, they had the right to, because they were cursed by God. Like this is what the verse says. It, like, and that's why they ask, like, who sin? So one of the videos we have on YouTube is uh, talking about generational curses, which I've been referring to now a few times, so I think you need to go listen to it. Back to John 9, it says, Jesus answered, Neither this man, or neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Neither this man. It says, basically, that you could watch him ex and, and experience a miracle. Okay, now, he's not saying that God caused the blindness. Don't get that. God didn't let a man walk for how many years blind because he wanted to make a point. The man was blind anyway. And Jesus found him. And he healed him. We'll see that now. So, remember, these signs are there for a reason. The reason that we have the signs written down is so that we could believe that he is the Christ. John 20, 31. But all that is recorded here is so that you will fully believe that Jesus is the Anointed One, the Son of God, and that through your faith in Him, you will experience eternal life by the power of His name. He doesn't say, I wrote down how I healed a blind man so that you can heal blind people. Now, if you heard me, I share testimonies of how people got healed on Friday night. So we're all about healing. Amen. But you can get healed of blindness and go to hell. What does that help you? I mean, there's so much going on around us that if you have eyesight, you might get to hell quicker. 
with, with everything that's on TV and whatever these days. I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit aspressed there because we need to see what the gospel really is about. And the gospel is really, really about getting born again. Because the power of God is in the gospel. And the power of God, yes, yeah, is there to heal. It's there to restore sight. But it's there to, to heal you forever. It's, healed, it's there to give you new eyes. It's there to give you healing of your spiritual condition. Healing of the fact that you don't just need new life. You need eternal life. Amen? Christianity is not a different way of life. It's a new life. Completely different. Completely new. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 says. A new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Everything is new and fresh. Amen? So, what is the only way to get someone born again? Is it for them to pray a prayer? A prayer. You never see that in the Word, by the way. It's to call on the name of Jesus. It's to, to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord. How would you do that? Only if you hear the Gospel. The Word says, how would they know unless they are told? And how will they preach unless they are sent? And that's what we shared about last week, I think. Like, whatever we're busy with, you're part of it. When we go to Belgium, like, we're sending people. We got Jackie and Jerusha here, like, from Grace Ambassadors now. You used to see them around and maybe you thought they were offended with us. I don't know that they were. I don't think so. But they part of our missions network now. They're teaching in boot camp and like we are about more than just the Sunday. I was listening to my own sermons this week and I love it because I mean God is so good. <laughs> if I want to listen to something encouraging, I listen to myself. It's not the only thing I listen to. But it's encouraging. Like I'm so excited. Like <coughs> I'm the meekest man on the face of the earth. Moses said it, I mean. I'm really serious. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. Like, I can't teach something that I'm not excited about. That would just be stale. If it hasn't changed me, how will it change you? If it hasn't impacted me, why would I share it? Like, you all got up early and dressed nicely and came here to give me an hour and a half of your time. Maybe two, three hours. The game's only at three, so we can see how long it goes. But... We can only get saved when we hear the gospel, amen? So, when we conclude that the gospel is hidden and revealed in the miracles that John recorded, there's so much more that meets the eye. So, nine, uh, John 9.5 says, As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Remember, blindness is the power of darkness. So Jesus comes as the light of the world, so when the light shines, the darkness dissipates. As long as He's in the world, He's the light of the world. As long as I'm with you, my life is the light that pierces the world's darkness. Now a lot of people will say, but oh, that was so nice, because now where Jesus is, there's light, which is heaven. No, where Jesus is, is you. Didn't Jesus say, you are the light of the world? But He is the light in you. And we're going to get to some exciting stuff here this morning. Verse 6 says, then Jesus spat on the ground. What did the blind man hear? When you heard someone spit. Curse. I've never, I've never thought of that until yesterday when I prepared this. He heard cursed. Now, there's nothing for... Uh, there's nothing... I mean, everything in the Word is for free because Jesus paid for it. <laughs> but there's nothing by chance. So he spat on what? The ground. The ground really is like this. It's not tarmac. It's dust. So he spat... In the dust, and he made clay. 
Okay, now just pause there. That's amazing. So the Spirit of God is often personified and shown by the water. Okay, the symbolism of water speaks of the Spirit in the Bible now, this book. We call it the Bible, for those of you who are new. Okay? That's when Jesus said you have to be born of Spirit and of water. He means actually Spirit, which is the water. Like the water that you've seen, Isaiah 12 says you will draw from the waters of the well of salvation. It's the Spirit. Amen? So when we read water, we can see the Spirit. So he spits, which is water, into the dust, which is man. And that's really a picture of who Christ is. Christ is God coming into the dust of the flesh and now being supernatural. <laughs> so the clay that he makes is really the picture of Jesus. And the picture of Jesus now on the eyes of man means I'll give you new eyes, I'll give you new sight. So how do we get new sight? Well, the word says, Paul writes to us in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, when we turn to the Lord, we receive new eyes. Basically, he says, then the veil is removed. We get new eyes. We are healed of blindness. And I said it last week, I'll say it again. I don't believe that literal scales fell off Paul's eyes because we never see it applied. And my God doesn't put blindness on people. He's a good God. He's got nothing bad to give you. So when he sees the bright light, you ever switch on a, a light that's too bright and your eyes have some damage? I believe that's what happened. But when it says, when Ananias prayed for him, as scales fell of his eyes, I believe he saw the Old Testament in a completely new way. And he saw that actually this was all along the Christ. Because that's what he writes about to all the churches. That is what changes him. Amen? And even when we look at Lazarus, probably next week, we'll see that. So, John gives us this book of pictures. The mingling of the spirit and the, or the spit and the dust, the spirit and dust, is a picture of Christ who is God in the body of a man. The spit comes from the mouth of the spoken word, or God incarnate. It's the word, it's the gospel. And when the word, the gospel, the spiritual truth, what did Jesus say? You'll worship in spirit and truth. When it reaches the dust, which is us, then something supernatural happens. Amen? No doubt the blind man heard people spit as they walked by him as a sign of disgust, for in that day they believed in blindness, like I said, as a curse. Aren't we also portrayed as clay in the hands of a potter? But often when we see that, we think of it in a weak sense. We're just clay. Well, if you have Christ in you, you just clay. But you have the supernatural ability of God in you. Now, it's the clay in the hand of the potter where the magic happens, isn't it? So we have to see it in that way. So we often tend to our weakness when we read the Bible, where Christ tries to call us forward and say, look with new eyes. We have a money issue. We only have a little food. He says, no, don't worry about what's in your hands. Worry about what's in my hands. So I'm asking you this morning, are you in God's hands? Because then he can, he can do a lot. Amen? It's when we try and get off the potter's wheel that we make a mess because we try to do it by ourselves. But when we remain on the potter's wheel, he can make something amazing. He can do something amazing. He can bless someone. He can heal the blind. So this day, this man heard someone spit on the ground, and the curse was turned to healing. Verse 6 says, When they had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay with the spittle, and he anointed, I love the King James there, 
the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Shiloim, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. The passion says, and he could see for the first time in his life. How amazing is that? Just think about it. I don't know how old he is, but he could never see. Now he can see. So it's not that God doesn't want to heal you. But there's so much more. He wants to heal you, but He wants to give you eternal eyes. He wants to heal you, but He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to heal you or give you sight, but He wants to do so much more. He doesn't just want to heal your broken heart, He wants to give you a new heart. He says, I'll take the heart of stone out of you, which is broken, meaning it's not functioning, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll make you sensitive. Guys? <laughs> Guys? God said, I want to make you more sensitive. <laughs> Not less manly. But the word says, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Yet we think it's a curse when we feel emotions. When we have empathy. Didn't he say, cry with those who cry. Laugh with those who laugh. Do life together. Be there for each other. That's so important. Amen. Have a soft heart that God can speak to. We need to be pliable. Friday night I had this picture when um, Shane shared a word on like we need to have like more time in intimacy with the Father. And I, the God, God showed me the God. There's only one God. God showed me like uncooked pasta. And I was like, Lord, what does that mean? And he said, well, it's the same as cooked pasta. But the one can actually hurt you and the other one will feed you. And the only difference is it's been soaked. In the water, which is the spirit. I'm like, Lord, how do you come up with these things? <laughs> it's amazing. So, you have what you need to change the world, to live your life, but are you soaking in His presence? Are you allowing yourself to have time with God, or are we so busy, like with, with the work of God, that we forget the God of the work? Are we soaking? And I mean, that for me is, 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 is convicting. I want to soak more then. And, and Which is more sensitive? Uncooked pasta or cooked pasta? Now, the man gets healed, amen? After going and washing and now this is where people get weird now you go get a plane ticket on Israel Airways and you go look for the pool of Shiloim and you want to find out exactly where did Jesus spit and now you pray in tongues and you hope your spit is as holy as his spit was and Shane shared something the other day he said like every weird thing he's thought of like I've just done and he's googled it he's found it That's the scary part, because people don't understand how the Bible works. They don't understand the reality of Christianity. They don't read until chapter 20 that says, listen, these miracles are for you to get born again. So this caused quite a stir, verse 8, among the people of the neighborhood, for they noticed the blind beggar was now seeing. You see, blindness and beggar go together. They began to say to one another, isn't this the the blind man who once sat and begged? See, miracles don't change the heart. They see this is the blind man, but they don't believe it. They know it is, but they like, can't even see. And then they go on this 
almost a witch hunt. And they call him in, and they call his parents in, and they call everyone in, like, is was jy blind gewees? But jy is nie nie. Anyone experience new life, and you're like, your family don't understand what happened to you. Why are you so crazy? Why are you in church every Sunday? Why? How many weeks, nights do you have life group? <laughs> Smiling at the back there, you know who I'm talking about. And then after a while, people are like, but now I'm actually jealous of you because you have something purposeful every day. But we don't understand. We, we, I mean, to, 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 to come early on a Sunday, you know, it's not as nice when we arrive here. And there was people here earlier than I am. And I want to thank you for, for all of you who were serving this morning to make this happen because there was a 50th birthday here last night. So even Joe, who's uh, opening the gate for you mostly, told me that he was busy till four this morning cleaning up so we could have service. So when you pass him, say thank you. And to the dream team, thank you. Because it's nice and cozy. But it wasn't like it. But we look with new eyes. We get to serve. We get to be here. We get to make coffee, carry chairs and set things up because we have life on the inside of us. Some said it cannot be him. Others said, but look, <laughs> it looks just like him, the passion. It has to be him. So they're confused, man. All the while the man kept insisting, I am the man who was blind. He says later, like, I don't know. Like all these questions you ask me, one thing I know, I was blind. And now I see. How does the gospel work? How did your life change? How are you different? Why don't you murder people anymore? Like I've had discussions with people like that. I don't know. I just know. I was a murderer. Now I'm saved. I was blind. But now I see. I was drinking. Sleeping around. Now I'm saved. I'm changed. One of the, the most famous hymns, if not the most famous, Amazing Grace. Written by men who were selling people and basically in horrible situations on slave ships. Didn't count life worth anything. Would live in, they, they would live in horrible, horrible situations and if they died, just throw them overboard. What, is, what, what does he write? Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound, the gospel, it's heard, that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I see. Did he receive healing for blindness? No, he could see clearly who he was throwing overboard. But now he sees with spiritual eyes. Now he sees the gospel. And if a man like that can say, hey, I'm saved. I'm saved. I spoke to a gangster and um, he said to me the worst thing for him in this person that he, that he murdered was the fact that he saw the family of that person every day on his way to work. And every day he would see that this family doesn't have a dad. This wife doesn't have a husband. And he is the reason that those kids grow up without a father. That's heavy, man. That's, that's, that's heavy. 
So often we understand maybe and we read that God can forgive us and we can accept that. But have you forgiven yourself? Have you forgiven yourself? You see, the word says, love keeps no record of wrong. Do you love yourself? Not in a selfish way, in an agape, God kind of way. Because you see, the kingdom really needs you to love yourself. Because the kingdom needs you to be active in sharing the gospel. Now that you've received new eyes, now we want you to come on board and help us share sight with us. I once was blind, but now I see. Not I, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. How do you see yourself? I'm asking you this morning, how do you see yourself? Do you see with new eyes? Or do you see with blind eyes? Do you see with the heavenly gaze? Or do you see with the earthly blindness? How do you see yourself? It's one thing to convince you that God is love, that God has forgiven you. And I'm hopefully doing that this morning. But you need to take that. You know what Lazarus did when he came out the grave? He was still blind. It says he was, he was still in grave clothes and there was still something over his head. Because why? It's temporal. Lazarus died again. Well, maybe he's asleep. Because uh, I believe he believed. Amen? When Jesus comes out the grave, it's specifically stated that the covering of his head was folded in there. No blindness. So you can get resurrected from the dead and still be blind in the spirit, like Lazarus was before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But when Christ is out the grave, no more blindness. Because the covering is folded up. Blindness is done with. And he gazes with new eyes. Now the word is so beautiful in that it says, then when we become illuminated... Let me find this. This is beautiful. Basically it says, if the light shines on you, you become the light. Isn't that beautiful? So, let's go to John 9, 24. We're jumping way down. Because the picture I have for you is, aren't we all born blind? Like this blind man. We're all born blind. Unrenewed unregenerated, uninformed. But when we turn to Christ, we receive sight, and then actually we can see for the first time in our lives. What do we see? We see the reality of Christianity. We see the love of the Father. We see the forgiveness of our sins. We see the spiritual condition that we are now never to die again. Aren't we all born blind in some way? So I'm asking you this morning, have you been born again? Can you see? Same question. John 9, 18. But the Jews did not believe concerning him. 
that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight and they asked them saying is this your son who you say was born blind how then does he see what they're actually asking is where's the curse that's what they're asking who dealt with the curse that's what they're asking how does he see his parents answered them and said we know that this is our son and that he was born blind and then they actually step away which is not great parenting by the way ask him aren't we all born blind into darkness sinners beggars strugglers trying to make ends meet trying to make sense of the world be part of it trying to please and please God stumbling through life then in church then out of church then doing good then doing bad then feeling good then feeling bad stumbling with our earthly way of trying to figure out the world aren't we all born blind so I'm asking you this morning has things changed for you John 9 24 then again called they the man that was blind you see the world doesn't understand you getting born again doesn't understand it they asked again give God the praise we know that this man is a sinner speaking of Jesus and the other thing is he did it on the Sabbath I love it <laughs> thank you Jesus for giving us healing and rest amen he answered and said whether he be a sinner or not I know not one thing I know whereas I was blind and now I see one thing I know, <laughs> I don't know much, but I know I'm different. I don't know much, but I know for, what's it, since 2007, I couldn't stop and cannot stop telling people about the love of my Father. I cannot tell, stop telling people how I see the Word, how we interpret the Word, how we, how we dissect the Word, how we treat the Word, because it brings sight to those who are blind. I cannot help but say, I used to be blind, but now I see. Oh, yeah, amazing grace has saved a wretch like me. You see, we were all born blind in the power of darkness. So when I posted yesterday the power of darkness or overcoming the power of darkness, I don't know what you expected. But this is better than you expected. Because it's really not about fighting demons. It's about seeing the light. That's all. How do we overcome this world? The doctrine of grace. By stepping into the light and receiving new sight. How it works? Can I give you a, a truth? We're still figuring it out. <laughs> We're still puzzling it together and getting revelation and building on revelation upon revelation. But what we do know is we'll never be the same again. Completely convinced that I'm saved, that I'm born again, that I'll never die, that I want to live forever. Like Paul says, we are addicted to the ministry. Completely convinced that there's nothing higher or more purposeful in life that I can spend the rest of my life with or undoing. Nothing, nothing. Colossians 1 verse 9. For this cause also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. In Ephesians 1, he prays that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. Similar prayer, but this is interesting for me. It says that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will. When I read that yesterday, I was like, wow. 
God's will is not mysterious. We spoke about it. God's will is not mysterious, so we pray that we might be filled with the knowledge of His will. How many people in this world do not know the will of God? How many people in this world do not know that they can know the will of God? If it be your will. No, that's not what Jesus prayed. Jesus said, let your will be done. I know what your will is. I don't want to do it. That's a better prayer. Be true. Like, I know what God was telling me to do. I don't want to do it. We can work with that. But God's ways are higher than our ways. Yes, it is. So get heavenly eyes so that you can have the higher understanding. That's all that verse says. Nothing mysterious. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. How does a blind person walk? That's not worthy of the Lord. How does a man who just received his sight walk? My dad. My dad. I used to be a killer. A slave trader. Blind. But now I see. Fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, seeing more clearly. You see, it takes time for your eyes to adjust to the light because we've been walking in darkness for so long. That's revelation, revealing what already is. No longer stumbling and fumbling around like a blind beggar, but now upright and worthy, one with God and sure about your forgiveness and identity. Listen to verse 11. Strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints, where? In light. What has He done? He has enlightened you. He has taken away the power of darkness, the power of blindness, and He has enlightened you. He has given you new sight. He has enlightened us. Hebrews 10.32 But call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were illuminated, I love that. What is illuminated? Set alight. Now, he's not talking to about the Christians who was burned on the stake. That's not what he's telling them. He says that now you've seen. Now you've received Sight. You walk into a dark room, what are you? You're blind. If it's dark, you're blind until you put on the light. That's what it speaks about. Ephesians 5.13 But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that is illuminated becomes a light itself. That's what New King James is trying to say. Once you've been illuminated, now you are enlightened. Now you become the light. Moses went up to the mountain. He prayed with God. What happened when he came down? His face was shining. Isn't that amazing? But it was fading because it wasn't the fullness of the promise. It was only the promise. Now we've become one with the light. Now we are illuminated. So now we are walking around like lights in the world. We know it, but we, we want to teach healing the blind as let's spit in the ground and heal the blind. Where it's about so much more. Amen? 
So how are we enlightened? The same way that the blind man received his sight by the power of God. What is the power of God? Romans 1.16, the gospel. Now, we're getting to an end. Are you ready for a, just a quick prophecy from the Old Testament to just confirm everything we've shared? So Daniel, in Daniel 12 and verse 2 says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Where did Jesus spit? In the dust. Some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting content. How is the dust awakened? When the spirit moves in. How is a nat natural man awakened to spiritual things? When you receive Christ. When you are illuminated, enlightened, when His light shines on you. Then we become lights ourselves, and then we are what? Shining as stars. Listen to verse 3. And they that be wise, that wisdom speaks about saved. Because James says there's two kinds of wisdom. The one is to get saved, the other one is to try and figure out the world. The one is earthly and demonic, and the one is godly. Those that be wise, those that are saved, shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness. Whose righteousness? His righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Preaching the gospel shall shine, what? As stars forever and ever. Isn't that amazing? So we are picked up from the dust and we are made stars. We said last week, Bethlehem star. First among many brethren. A picture of Christ and everything He's done. Now we are one with Him. And then God made a promise to Abraham. And he said to Abraham, you'll have as many children as the dust of the earth, but you'll also have many children like the stars of heaven. Now Daniel interprets that and he says, the dust of earth is the people born in the natural sense. Those who receive everlasting life, which is the Spirit of God, become stars and shines in the firmament of heaven unto life everlasting. So Abraham has many unborn again children, as many as the dust of the earth, but Abraham also has many born-again children, as many as the stars of heaven. So God is giving us new eyes. This is where we started. And I'm asking you again, how do you see yourself? Are you looking at what you need? If I look at my hands, I see dust. Or am I looking up to heaven and see stars? Do you see yourself walking around? in the dust of life, of your old self, of natural man? Or have you been born again and illuminated as a star in heaven, being one with Christ, and now sharing your light, sharing the gospel, and bringing other people into accepting and receiving the forgiveness of Christ, which He paid for, died for, is risen again for, ascended for, poured out His Spirit for? Or do you want to remain blind? You're still a star. You're just hiding in the dust. Where God wants to say, I want to lift you up. A city on a hill cannot be hid. I want you to walk and operate with new eyes, fresh perspective, God's true reality, which is Christ in you. The what? The hope of glory. Colossians 1 ends off, and it says in verse 30, not ends off, but we're ending off, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us 
into the kingdom of his dear son. Where is Jesus? Ascended. Into what? A higher reality. You see, Jesus can't come from above because if you're in the northern hemisphere and I'm in the southern hemisphere, where's he going to come from? He's coming and manifesting from a different realm, which is the spiritual realm, which is where you and I are seated according to Ephesians 2. Now, like Jacques said to us in worship, do you see it? Have you come out the grave? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to receive sight? Do you want to come out and live for more? It says, in whom we have redemption. Who? The kingdom, the son, in the kingdom. Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So to live new, to live with new eyes is to live forgiven. (coughs) How do you see yourself? Firstly, have you received that forgiveness? Have you said, yes, Lord? I want to, I've tried, like I'm, but I can see that I'm walking around like a blind beggar. God, please, God, please, save me, help me, please, please, please. The word speaks about the weak and beggarly elements in Colossians 2. Like nothing we can do can get this done. Or have you said, yes, Lord? I once was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace has saved a wretch like me. The only part of the song where you can get confused is that you're no longer a wretch. You're no longer a sinner. You've been born again, enlightened. Now you're no longer in the dust. You are seated in heaven. What's in heaven? The stars are in heaven. And now... Daniel clearly says that we don't just become stars now. No, we shine as life everlasting and we turn many to righteousness. You're going to be much more effective, Christian, in your ministry and purpose if you start living like God made you to be. To dabble and dabble and trying to get over your own sins is actually very self-centered and very non-missional. Because didn't Jesus say, go into all the world and preach the gospel? He didn't say stay in your room and fix, out, fix yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm not even being funny. But it is funny how we live. Because we just don't want to sin. Behold the Lamb of God. Don't look at John the Baptist. Look with new eyes. Look. Change your perspective. There's the Lamb of God who does what? takes away the sin of the world. Sin is no longer an issue. Because it's taken away. The grave is open. The stone is rolled away. Have you come out? Or are you hiding in the dark? You know what? The, the, The grave is a picture of darkness. Are you sitting in the darkness, feeling bad for yourself? Or have you, and are you, and have you accepted that what Jesus did is enough? Enough to get you saved. Enough to have you forgiven. I mean, think about it. God came Himself into man so that He could deal with the man issue. Which was sin. 
Do you think it was mission impossible? Yes, it was, but it was mission successful when he said it is finished. And after he said it's finished, he was resurrected. And after he was resurrected, he ascended. And after he ascended, he poured out his spirit. The, the, the forgiveness, the, the, the work that Jesus did, like if there's, the, it says it far exceeds the mark. Now we need to speak about what is a Christian missing the mark, but there's no time for that today. So if the mark is here, then what Jesus did didn't just reach it. It far, before I give you feedback, <laughs> exceeded the mark. Like you're not just saved. You are completely and utterly and forever saved. Once and for all. Hebrews 10. So I'm asking you, are you saved? Are you stuck in blindness? You need to answer for you. I know that I know that I know that now yours was blind, but now I see. Even just the way I, the Bible has come alive, I can clearly see that it, I was blind. Bible studies on Ephesians and I didn't get to grace. How blind can you be and still breathe? But now, but now, I see. What do I see? The Son of God who saved a wretch. Find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.